Hello, my name is Celia Hirsch, and I'm a volunteer with Igniting Change, an intentionally tiny but outcome-mighty organisation based in Melbourne, Australia. Igniting Change has walked alongside many individuals and organisations making a difference, usually working with very thorny issues in decidedly unsexy areas. It's unlike any charity you may have previously encountered, and its catchphrase is, see the person, not the label. What we are seeking to do with this podcast is introduce you to the people of Igniting Change and the people we work alongside. Our guest today is Tyler Mitchell. He's the CEO of Beast and Beauty Aesthetics. Hi, Tyler. Hello, how are we? Tell me, what is Beast and Beauty Aesthetics? Beast and Beauty Aesthetics is an activewear label. Been operating for just over a year since launching, but there was um, I was building the business about a year prior to that. Describe to me what sorts of things are in your range. So both male and female, from shorts to pants to tops to crops to jumpers. And why did you choose activewear as your point of interest? When I was looking at businesses, I'd look for YouTube videos for inspiration and they said that you should always choose something that you are passionate about. So at the time... And still to to this day, I'm passionate about um, going to the gym and keeping fit. What does going to the gym mean for you? Having previously a drug problem, it became my new drug. Much healthier one? Yeah. So about that drug problem, shall we go back to the start when things first started getting a bit hairy? Okay, so it started very young, um, you know, smoking marijuana. How old? I think my first first puff as you'd say was probably around 10 and how did that come about uh just hanging out with mates that you know we probably stole it off the parents (laughs) okay right mother of young children slightly shrinking here as i talk to you (laughs) so 10 years old so you've had a few puffs of that yeah what was the next step we tried it a couple of times and then by 14 15 we you know was smoking a little bit more to like an everyday thing and then um, were you going to school at this point yep always academically smart but always pushed against the system Mm -hmm. in year nine i was kicked out at the start of the year and um they're like we have this school that takes on kids that don't really get along with school and Mm -hmm. it's called patterson projects Mm -hmm. um and it will give you a year 10 pass vcal pass are you interested in perhaps looking at that because i had to find a new school because i've been Mm -hmm. expelled so agreed to do it it seemed like a pretty good uh, program and that was a really cool school we learned jiu-jitsu and um, motor mechanics but also traditional traditional yeah yeah the curriculum exactly yeah and they got year 10 pass and then after that i'm like well I'm still young, like I'm not ready f- to start working full-time, so you know, I'll do my VCE. So I entered VCE at Swinburne TAFE in Paran. It's more of an adult education yep. rather than going to a school. During that time, ele- year 11, no, sorry, more year 12, that's when I started experimenting with other drugs. Mm-hmm. It was like speed and ecstasy at the time. What else was going on in your life? Was it just general day-to-day life or were you going out partying? I was in sort of the graffiti scene. Like I had mates that lived in Turak and Brighton, like yeah. a lot of them lived in Brighton and I had a mate and his older brother said we were at a party once. It was a penthouse party in St Kilda overlooking mm-hmm. the beach and um, it was overlooking the Palace Theatre and at the back of Palace Theatre there was a club called Bay Station so he pulled us out on the balcony and he goes see that down there 
There was all these people in the car park, like moving from car to car mm-hmm. in their rave outfits and whatnot. Yeah. And he's like, that space station. He's like, I'm going to show you, I'm going to get you in there and show you what this, the scene's all about. And he pulled out a big wad of cash and he's like, I can you know, make you this sort of money. And me and my mate looked at his older brother and went, oh, yeah. So like, the eyeballs are out on stalks. Yeah. And it was just like he closed the door and it was just me and his brother and like it was like private conversation and he was like giving me this opportunity. And he mm. got us in that night and he's like, I'm not going to give you anything to, to sell, but just sort check of it like, out. yeah, check it out because you want to know who's undercovers and who not to sell to and all that sort of stuff. But that night I did, I did sell a couple So um, it was pills. it was thrilling. Yeah. And exciting. Yeah. And gave you lots of money that you wouldn't otherwise have had. Correct. So how long did that fairy tale last? Well, I did that night and he goes, like, you did like you did really well. He goes, you needed to see this other club in the city mm-hmm. called Bubble. He goes, we'll go there next weekend. So we went there that weekend and um, I literally went there every weekend for two years straight. And then I ended up having my own stuff and uh-huh. just moved up pretty quickly. And everything's going well in your mind? Yeah. And but you're then still I was, using? Like at the start, you know, I'd have like, you know, one pill. I, I didn't really like them anyway. Yeah. I'd have like a little something to keep me going for the night, but mm. like n- not a massive like druggy sort of thing. Yeah. But I was doing year 12 at the time. So I was going out two nights in a row and, and then mm. going to school the, mm. the following week. So that's a pretty crazy world. What were your, what was your family doing at this time? What was your mum saying to you? I kept it like pretty, at the start, kept it very quiet and mm. like I'd be like oh, I'm just staying at a friend's house like I'd always stay at friends houses yeah there's always what I'd say and I'd sort of come home after some sleep and but uh, after a while my mum sort of yeah realized that something was wrong she must have been worried about you yeah constantly were you aware of that concern that was coming from your family or were you just earning the big dough and I guess at that age you mm. You just, you. I guess you're really very selfish. Yeah. Always against your parents, I guess. So when did all the walls come crumbling down? Just when I got so far into that life, mm. what comes with it, like a lot of crazy stories. Um, you were eventually charged. Yeah. I kept getting charged and managed to stay out of jail. I yeah. It, did like a lot of um, community-based orders and community work. So people were trying to keep you out of the system. Yeah. People were trying to help you. You ended up in the system. Yeah. Were you in the youth unit? Yeah, I started in the youth unit. And what was that like? What was that like going from this life that you'd been living into jail? So I had a lot of friends that had been to jail, so I was always, always expecting it. You're expecting it? Yeah. Oh, Tyler. Yeah. Like the mentality and how people talk and all that sort of stuff. Like I was, you were prepared. I was prepared. Yeah. Yeah. So I went in and you know it was a bit daunting, but I had s- someone that I knew very closely was there for the f- you know the first time I was in there. So it was my first day to first six months, mm-hmm. I was with this guy that had been in and out. Mm. Um, showed me the ropes and and looked you know, after you. Yeah. So how long were you in? In jail that time? Uh, around about a year. And then you came out? Yeah. And? Six months. You were out for six months? Yeah. And you were back in again? For 18 months. Did you have every intention of reoffending when you were in prison originally? What was, what was going on in your mind? I had had a drug problem for so long 
and then I got clean and I was hanging out with my mates in there. I hadn't learnt my lesson, but it was that first time that I got clean and I was like, you know what, I've got a clear head now. I could get out and do this really well and yeah. I could make some serious money and you know stay clean and do it smarter. So go back to drug dealing but do it without taking any? Yeah. Oh. But it didn't last very long. So you had an 18-month stint after that. Was that in the regular prison or was it back to the youth unit? The first time I went in, I I went to regular and then oh. I went to the youth. Uh-huh. And I didn't want to be in the youth. I was like, get me out of here, you know. I oh. want to I want to be, you know, with the older guys. You know, I'm not here f- for these younger guys, you know. Right. And they moved me out. The second time I was in the adult, the first half of my sentence... Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ended up moving to the youth unit because I ended up at Port Phillip. So now you go back with Igniting Change. I'm jumping around a bit, but you go back and visit the youth unit with Igniting Change yeah. and some of the supporters of Igniting Change. What does it feel like going back there? It's different emotions every time I go. Mm. Like sometimes I feel strong and, and be like, you know, I'm doing justice and I'm, I'm helping these guys yep. and you know i'm doing this is all for a good reason and i feel good um but like last time i went you know i had dream um, dreams or nightmares the night before yep. about being in prison like being a prisoner in prison and then i woke up and i was like going to the jail yeah. and it was like a daunting experience that day i would imagine it you, know, you feel really vulnerable because it's happened to you you've been there and and i guess there's a lot of unpleasant memories of the time that you were there yeah when you were in prison you as you say you're a smart guy so you were thinking the second time about what you can do in in terms of a legitimate business when you came out yeah and is that where beast and beauty was born or was it um something else the reason for me wanting to stop that life and and change was um my mum my mum came in and said you know like after being in prison for the second time my mum came in and said look there's no room for you in our house anymore if you're going to continue on this path you know we're not about that life so if you want to continue it you're not doing it in our house and then she she turned around and walked out oh that must have been so hard for and her it was to like do. very hard to watch her walk out and to, and at the start i was very angry you know i don't need you but then also at the same time when you really think about it, you know, it's like I've just lost my family over yeah. who, who, you know, like these aren't my friends, you know, like mm. there's one person that's always been there for us. Um, and they, they say the age of 25 is when the um, frontal lobe of a male's brain starts kicking in. Finally, yeah. So, <laughs> and I literally, I just turned 25 while in prison and I, I believe that that's something happened there and then. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. So... I asked for help um, with a Anne Hooker, who's in yeah, um, the amazing. Youth unit. Yep, she sort of wanted to call bullshit. Yep, and go, yeah, right. You need to prove it to me that you really want it, and if you didn't do that, then I'll help you out. Mm. And I proved it. How did you do that? So she said that she wanted me to enrol in a lot of court, like in a few courses, yep. and and start helping the other guys out and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enrolled in a diploma in building construction via correspondence in home, Homes Gun TAFE, and not mm-hmm. very many people were given that opportunity due to funding and whatnot. Yeah. Um, a lot of people only get Cert 1 or Cert 2. I was able to do a diploma. I still paid for it. It was HEX, I believe. But I um, my first semester, I got the highest marks in Victoria. Wow. So, um, yeah, they, they 
originally thought I was like cheating or something and and Hooker sort of batted for me and said you know he's not cheating he goes in that room every day and studies and reads your books your literature and um, gives you what you want Mm. so hearing that and Hooker reached out to a few people and believe Jane from Igniting Chain is one of them and um, she reached out to some people that she knew and I had some pretty uh, significant Support. people in the building industry come out and meet me in mm. the prison. And what happened next? They came in and spoke to me and I told them my story and they were pretty amazed by it and they said, um, once you get out, we're willing to give you some employment. And what that meant for me is like, from out of nowhere, I started doing the right thing. I put in the hard work mm. and things started going right for me for a change. So I started believing in that more that the power of attraction which i base my brand upon is like you know you put in the hard work and you get what you want mm. they offered me employment and when i got out i did end up working for lendlease but at that point in, in prison when someone actually given me the opportunity like it was i couldn't describe how much uh, motivation that gave me so yeah. that's why i go into the prison now and i'm trying I'm trying to link these guys up with employment when they get out so they have something to work f- yeah. towards, you know. Because otherwise then the the thing that they knew before they went in becomes the thing that... They'll they, do when they get out. Yeah. yeah. So you came out and got the job with Lendlease. Yeah. And how long did you work there for? Originally I was put under a foreman and I was learning a foreman's role. Yeah. Which is why I wanted to get into it. Mm-hmm. So mm. that's why I studied. That's what I was studying to be. Yeah. And I was learning everything very fast and they really liked how I worked but that job came to an end mm. and they said that like they had just done a, a cull within the, the organisation and they had to sort of hide me somewhere because I was mm. the first person, like the last person to get hired yes. so normally I'd be the first person to go. And they hid me but they hid me doing labouring work for about a year, a year and a half and then after that they said that they turned the tap off on my employment <laughs> okay uh, so which which left you then doing what i was still on parole mm. i just moved to the docklands mm-hmm. because they wanted me to start earlier and finish later so yeah i had no car at the time so i was it was very vulnerable i just spent all my money on furnishing this place because you know i thought i had a job for mm. you know they said there was 10 years work luckily the guys who I was actually getting paid through MC Labor Hire, mm-hmm. which shout out to MC Labor Hire <laughs> that really helped me. They said, you know, what they did was wrong, and um, don't worry, you've got work tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And they continued a steady flow of um, work doing labouring, which isn't the what I got into the industry for. No. But it sort of shattered that whole like um, want to finish the course and go on that. On that on path, that path yeah. to become a foreman. Mm. After seeing um, what these foremen go through and stress levels and the hours that they put in and to get the same sort of money as mm. a labourer who just sort of goes there and does his thing and goes home. And So I continue just doing labouring. But after a while, I guess, being put on jobs that were very mind-numbing and just sweeping constantly, you know, my brain wasn't wired for that. So yep. I had to do something else. I started looking at businesses, looked at food trucks. Mm -hmm. So I was going to – I did my business plan for a food truck for um, Nutella. Mm. So I was going to call myself the Teller Fella. Oh, yeah. Or uh, Teller Vision. 
um, designed the you truck. You shouldn't say the names. Someone might pick them up. <laughs> That's right. They can have it. <laughs> so what happened to that? I um, yeah, did my business plan, mm. and which I learned inside, and set up the recipes. Mm. Um, so me and my mum, you know, told my mum that I wanted to do this, and so we bought a bunch of pastry and Nutella and <laughs> got to work <laughs> and made a mess of the kitchen. <clears throat> Still got some pictures to, to show, you know. Yeah. Um, but we sort of had to make stuff that we could do quite easily, quick, you know, because you'd have to prepare it the day before and mm. boom, 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 and push it out. But I just, I needed to do it. I needed someone else to be in that food truck with me. And, um, you know, I asked my mum if she wanted to do it and it wasn't really healthy enough that she wanted to be full-time involved in it yeah and the girlfriend i was with at the time didn't seem very enthusiastic about it so i just like oh i need to find something that i can do by myself so the next thing was like i looked at amazon selling i was just like youtubing like businesses like what can someone do with very little money to no money yeah and start a business and amazon selling was you know like pick a pick an item either get it shipped out to you or get it shipped to these Amazon fulfillment centres. You don't even have to look at the stock and um, you set up your ad and people buy. But then going back to what I said at the very start is these YouTube videos were like, even if you pick an Amazon product, you know, pick something that you... That you like. That you enjoy. Yeah. Something that, you know... Mm. So I started looking at gym wraps and, and knee, knee wraps. Yeah. and not No, not one thing that they said is do not do apparel. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, find an item that's a niche yep. item mm-hmm. and and pump that. Mm. But something that was driving me to, like at the time, I'm like, I've got these ideas for these, um, for some clothes, you know. I wanted a pair of track pants because at the time I'd do squats and the material where my knees were Go would, saggy. S- would stretch yep. and wouldn't form back into its shape. Mm-hmm. So you'd buy these $100 pair of trackies and within months, a couple washes, yep. so they were ruined. So I thought if, you know, I put some spandex in the, in the material and put some stitching across the knee that I would fix that problem. And so um, I started looking, going down the rabbit hole of how to start a clothing brand. Started designing clothes by, on my phone while in a lift working construction <laughs> on the side of a, <laughs> on the side of a building. Yeah, designing clothes. So I would crop a logo and, and paste it onto a, um, yeah, a picture of a pair of pants and on your iPhone. <laughs> yeah, and I designed thirteen items like that. And, and you've built a business. Yeah, which is still such hard work, huh? Yeah. What's been the biggest challenge of your business? To keep going. Yeah. What are the obstacles that maybe you didn't foresee? I thought it was just design clothes, and if they're good, people will buy. People will buy. They are good. Our family's got quite a few pairs of your things and we think they're terrific and it's not just because we like you but it's such a busy market and there are so many big multinationals who who dominate yeah so it comes down to spending money um Mm. to make money yeah and and knowing how to get in front of your audience Yeah. yeah because you're a good personality you're a you're a good spokesman for your brand you know, if you can get in front of people's faces and, and, and show the clothes, I think that it, it will do well. I mean, I would hate to see that the label not continue. Yeah. I think no, I'll, I'll just keep pushing. Your mum sounds like an amazing woman. Tell me about her. Yeah, she's she's been uh, by my side every step of the way. She was a single mum for uh, the first half of my life. To have a mum that 
did it by herself and worked two jobs, two to three jobs at any given time to support me. And, you know, we're very close to sort of do the wrong thing by her and make all what she did for nothing, like make her feel like, you know, what have I done, you know, to deserve this? Like that affected me, Mm. um, that I affected her so badly. Mm. Yeah. What does what does life feel like now for you? Do you feel like you've got a second go at it? You have your ups and you have your downs. Yeah, like there'll be weeks where I'm like, like I'm I'm killing it, everything's going in the right direction, and I'll be literally the day after, be going, you know, what have I done to deserve this? You know, <laughs> yeah. But it's um it's an emo- emotional roller coaster. And what role does igniting change have in your life? They don't realise what. Um, they have actually done f- like well they probably do but uh, what it, what it's meant for me if it wasn't for su- you know those two gentlemen coming out from the construction company and offering me work I'd probably you know be doing the same thing mm. it's that you know they saw good in one person and they're like you know we're going to help out mm. and I think it's amazing what they do you know they um they look past all the all the crap that you've done and, and see good in someone and really try and enlighten the good. So I ask everyone who does the podcast, what's the one thing Igniting Change has taught you? To be kind to people and, yeah, see the good in people because everyone's got a story, you know, whether it's a sad story or a miserable story, you know, you can see the good and you, pe- people can have a better life if people believe in them and... Mm. And and just bring out someone just telling them that I see good in you, you know, and that person be like, oh really? (laughs) Okay, that's that's nice, and it makes you feel good and keeps you pushing. And networking, they they do incredible networking, and it's just all about being polite and nice and and enthusiastic and positive. And with that attitude, you know, people are drawn to you. And they want to be part of what you what you've got to bring, and you know they, they have amazing connections solely from being just beautiful people. That's it for this igniting change podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to press subscribe to ensure you don't miss future episodes. Thanks for listening, and remember, see the person, not the label.